0: So our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities.
1: We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. What's up, you guys?
2: What's
0: up? Wait. Welcome. Hi. Hello.
2: Now, Stephen, you're not allowed to talk as much. I know. I
0: need to save yeah, my voice. We're
1: just going to keep interrupting you, Stephen. <laughs> your throat this week, you are so sick,
0: sir. The flu got me, you guys.
1: You honestly yeah. don't sound that bad, but I know you like always warm up to the hot takes, and I want your hot takes at the end, so I don't want you to like mm-hmm. throw your voice. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Perfect.
1: Hopefully, you're sipping on some good tea. Well, yeah. What are you guys drinking?
0: I am. I do. I have a lovely honey lavender tea by Yogi with a huge dollop of honey.
2: Ooh. Mm-hmm. I also have tea. Uh, It's from Tea Forte. It's a wild hibiscus cherry. Ooh.
1: I also have tea today. It's a very rainy day in Seattle, and I broke out the tension tamer. But I'm also drinking like a little mezcal cocktailito. I didn't do like a full Mm. cocktail, but I did like the, the liquor and the bitters and some lemon juice and some syrup and then chilled it over some ice, but I don't have like a mixer in there. So it's like a little like two ounce drink that i'm like sipping on
0: wow that is very fancy well done it feels fancy yeah Yeah.
1: we have some people who bought our drinks this week actually (gasps) we have two new patrons that's right jonathan and zach zach steven and i know and we've already seen him pop in the discord but we're looking forward to meeting jonathan Mm -hmm. and we appreciate you guys buying our drinks this week Thank thank you
2: thank you so much Without y'all, we wouldn't be able to consume beverages. So thank you. Well, <laughs> well
1: kind of a lie, but sort of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, y'all, it is my week this week, and the patrons voted between three of my topics that I was bouncing back and forth between, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point, but they decided we're going to talk about pushy Christian advice. Ooh. Ooh. And I'm really intrigued by this idea. I've been thinking about this for a while. Like... I guess maybe to start us off, like, why is it that so many Christians are notorious for giving unsolicited advice? Like, I'm really curious, like, why that's a stereotype at all and, like, why it seems to be prevalent.
2: Mm, what are some classic pushy Christian advice that you have heard or may have received? Ooh. Like, maybe we need to give some examples, you know, to kind of set the tone for what we're kind of talking about.
1: Okay, I think the classic one is telling other people how they're sinning. I think it's like veiled as advice when it's like, when it's really moral gatekeeping. Yeah. But I feel like that's just the cliche. Like, I I just need to tell you this. And I think that that weaves its way into like many types of conversations. Like sometimes it's like sexual purity culture kind of stuff. Sometimes it's accountability for reading your Bible every day. But it's often like phrased as advice when I think it's a very unique type of mm, like pushiness mm -hmm. that I'm not quite sure how to describe. Like the best I can come up with is like pushy Christian advice. What weird advice have you gotten?
2: I don't think. I know I have. I'm trying to think of the ones that I can like consider to be pushy.
1: Or unsolicited, I think, is another good way to put it.
2: I guess, like, as of late, it's been parenting.
1: Mm. I know that's
2: not really, like, pertaining, but that's definitely in there. Like, how to be kind of, like, godly parents, you know, or, like, the things that, you know, they they expect us to, like, teach Thea, especially being a pastor, you know?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that, as of late, definitely unsolicited parenting slash Christian parenting advice. And it's like, okay, stop now. Thank you.
1: Actually, the parenting thing might be a good example of like the crossover of the Venn diagram of like unsolicited advice in general and unsolicited Christian advice. Like maybe parenting is like in the middle of that. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Do you think that like when you encounter parenting advice from Christians, do you think that it has more of a theological tone to it? Or is it like parenting advice in general? 50-50. Okay. Because like part of me wants to say that the similarity in people giving like unsolicited advice for parenting, I think maybe that can be a good proxy to help us understand like why Christians tend to give so much unsolicited advice about Christianity. And maybe it's because people are like trying to give a sense of their lived experience to someone else, but it often comes across as like prescriptive, like this is the way it was for me. Therefore it should be this way for you.
2: Oh, completely. And, and it comes from the mindset and the intention of being helpful, you know? Oh, totally does. But oftentimes well, it, it may well, not actually, be.
1: Uh, maybe arguably.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: How much of that is Christian and how much of that is just human nature of wanting to share what works for you though? Cause like, I've I've been a pretty big proponent of journaling, and Josh, you're not you're not into journaling. But if I come across as pushy in that way, just because I'm a big fan of it,
1: no, I don't think so. But I've definitely heard Christians be pushy about journaling.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: like I don't know. Have you?
0: Oh yeah, I think so. I'm I'm just wondering. I don't like, and this might be just because I'm uh, I'm feeling a little bit unplugged from the culture lately because like uh, doing the math I haven't been to church in two years now but like I also think of the way that like uh self-help authors can be very, like rather pushy about their system right the the steps they outline whatever so like is it just a question of passion like they just believe in it and so it comes across pushy
1: yeah like it's one thing to like put your ideas out there like in a form of media or like on whatever platform you have. But I feel like it's very different when like people feel like they have the right to tell you what to do versus like you expressing like, Hey, I've been a parent before. This is what, like, I hope it's not like this for you because this is how it was for me. Like this Mm. is what helped me or something like that. Like, I think it's, I think it really matters in the tone of the delivery. And I feel like the stereotype of pushy Christian advice is to like, A, it being unsolicited and B, it usually (laughs) being prescriptive versus Mm. like self-reflective. And I almost wonder if there's like like a certain theology that like leads us to that stereotype. But I don't know.
0: Beyond a phrase like go, therefore, and make disciples.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe it is tied to like that Great Commission (laughs) idea. That's pretty big Mm.
0: instruction words. Yeah,
2: it is. Emily, do you think it's tied to that? I think so. I think it's also just tied to this idea of fellowship. And I want to say a sense of community, but I know that's not it either. I think it's kind of complicated, to be honest. Hmm. Because I think it can be so personal.
1: Like, depending on the relationship?
2: Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and I feel like that's what a lot of like evangelical culture was trying to get at with accountability partners like i myself never like had one per se but i feel like a lot of people talked about it like i had friends who like had quote-unquote accountability partners sure the idea i can see like some function in that in giving like very tangibly giving someone permission to speak to you in a very direct way Mm. and i feel like that is also the intention of like mentorship whether it's like religious or secular even though i'm not convinced that that's the most effective thing either but what do you do with someone who gives you advice who has not like explicitly been given permission to like give you the advice that they're giving you you know what i mean
2: that's a that's a tough question
1: like what do you guys do
2: it i think again i think it kind of depends on the situation so like some people would give me parenting advice and i would just let it go in one ear and out the other you know and I wouldn't make it Mm. obvious that I, you know, but I, I, I'd be kind and I would listen, but I'm not going to like take it to heart. But I think other times, depending on who the person was, like I would kind of challenge them a bit or I would even just straight up say, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think that's fit for Alex and I, or, you know, we've looked into it and I don't think we're going to do that or whatever the case would be. And I think Mm. just to be comfortable being firm on a stance and to know that it's okay to oppose the advice that you're given. I feel like so often we don't want to come across as harsh or or mean when we don't want to take the advice and so therefore we should just huh. accept it, you know. We don't want to we don't want to speak against it. But I think we should be given that space to say, you know, thanks for the advice but but no thanks. <laughs> like we need to be okay to say that.
0: Hmm. That's funny. My instinct is almost the exact opposite. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I I would almost want to be the guy who's like, you know, I probably, you know, there, there are probably parts of y- your advice that don't uh, ring true to me. So I, I feel pretty comfortable setting those aside. But I feel like my instinct is to like, well, like, how how can this person be a teacher in this moment, even if I didn't exactly ask for it? in the moment, Mm. like Mm
1: -hmm.
0: where, where is something that I can glean some knowledge or glean some wisdom, you know, even if it's something where I Mm. just like latch on to, I mean, it's very, very often something we do on this podcast of like, we latch onto a couple words. One of us says, and it takes the conversation down a completely different direction. Like maybe even the advice is like, yeah, no, I don't think that's right. But you did say something that got me thinking about, which I'm actually going to start doing now, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a very unique weight
1: that Christians put on it sometimes. And I'm personally, I'm not sure how to deal with it when it happens, even though I don't think I encounter this a ton. But like when someone tries to give the backing of theology or even makes their advice sound really objective in a religious Uh, sense, like almost like morally, you need to stop doing this or morally you should do this. And tries to make it sound really, really absolute. I think that that can, that's like advice that's really hard to challenge to someone in the moment. Hmm. Yeah. Like it almost makes it sound like it's not like up for debate. <laughs> right. Like I think that that's why my mind goes to Christians who love to tell each other that they're sinning. Yeah. Or that they're doing something wrong. And honestly, that goes like both ways across the aisle, I think.
2: Hmm. I think as a whole, like Christians as a whole, we spend too much time talking and not enough time listening. Mm. And I think that's where like the pushy advice giving kind of rubs me the wrong way. Again, could have very good intentions. But if we spend so much time trying to talk to someone or talk at someone rather than hearing them out first, then I think it just becomes kind of one sided and it can be hurtful eventually. And while I agree with you, Stephen, there is oh, I think there is always something to learn and to glean from, but I also think it's there's also a space where the advice just shouldn't always be given. <laughs> like if someone is explaining a situation, instead of trying to jump ahead and oh, they said this word, so now my response is going to be based on this word. Like hear the person out first, like actually understand the entire situation. Mm because there is always something to learn and i think sometimes the lesson to be learned is not for the person who's receiving the advice but maybe the person giving the advice.
1: Hmm. I I wasn't even thinking about this as we were going into the conversation but what do you think about advice being given from the pulpit? Like we don't have to go down this rabbit hole but like just for example like i feel like it's really popular right now for pastors to not give voting advice from the pulpit, like staying in like a neutral position. But then there are pastors who on either side will very much give advice related to politics, even if it's not necessarily like who to vote for their advice on like what to believe and like the stances you should vote for is very like advice centric. And I think, but I think that applies to many other arenas too. Sure. So like, like what do you think about very prescriptive advice being given from religious leadership? Is that the same thing as pushy Christian advice or is it different?
2: It's the same thing. In my opinion. And I'm speaking as someone who is at a pulpit, so <laughs> my opinion might be a little skewed, but... Is
0: that because the it's just not the right venue for it?
2: Yeah. There is a time and a... I so mean... are
1: you saying that you don't think
0: clergy should give
1: advice from the pulpit?
2: Yeah, I don't think they should.
1: Oh, okay. Fascinating. So oh, well, how far do you extend that then? Like, what are you thinking of?
2: Anything. <laughs> like, if the, if they... I am someone that I'm going to be serving multiple churches throughout my career, which means I am going to be serving in various communities that have different beliefs, have different affiliations, have different ideologies. Mm. The, the Who am I to give advice from the pulpit when that's not my job? My job is not <laughs> I, oh ooh, I don't even know how to navigate this. <laughs> my job my calling is to preach good news and to interpret, which means I walk a very fine line between interpreting scripture and giving advice. Because I think Mm. oftentimes it is easy for pastors to, or whoever is filling the pulpit, to interpret scripture and turn it into advice rather than leaving it as interpretation. So I'm very careful when I'm at the pulpit to say like, this is my interpretation of scripture, and I'm trying to, to voice something to a very broad group of people, um, but I, I can't tell you how to do this or that or this or that. Like, I can only share a side of something, but I can't, I can't tell you what I think is best because I don't know. Like, I am <laughs> very limited on that especially because what's good for one person may not be good for another. It it just becomes very mucky waters and it becomes more agenda-driven rather than faith-focused.
0: Do you think advice would have more place in like a one-on-one like oh, yeah. counseling session with you? Definitely. I guess that's what I mean by venue is like you save any advice giving that you might have for the one-on-one where you can be very specific with someone's situation. Whereas the pulpit is you're speaking to hundreds of people at a time.
2: Yeah. There is a time and place and it's not from the pulpit on Sunday morning.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: But again, that's just hmm. me. So.
0: Steven, what do you think? Advice from the pulpit. Yeah. I mean, I think Emily's on the right track there. I at least appreciate the the thought she's put into it. I think it's really easy for pastors to slip into territory of, like, here's the interpretation and therefore here are the the five concrete steps you can take this week to, you know, apply this verse to your life or whatever. That's certainly been my experience in previous churches.
1: Do you think it's the same thing in terms of, like, pushy Christian advice? Like, is it unsolicited? Is it pressuring?
0: Well, so the unsolicited, I'm not quite sure of because the people who are there to listen to you from the pulpit are there by their own volition and consent, right? Mm. So, like, I think it would Mm -hmm. be easy for a pastor to interpret that of like, oh, they're here to listen to me. So I'm going to give them advice on how to (laughs) do money or whatever, (laughs) you know, Yeah. just because Mm. it feels like everyone's showing up for you when you're the one person looking the other way in. Yeah. in the room you know
1: emily i like your distinction like your admittance of like you're walking a fine line between like interpretation and describing something versus like giving advice i think i'm of the opinion that advice from the pulpit that's general like two people even if it's like pointed toward a specific action versus like one-on-one advice i think they're qualitatively different particularly because of like what you were highlighting Stephen about like you're the one person who's like in that like position of authority like f- both physically and like ecclesiologically like you are like the person of authority and so like therefore like what you say holds different weight than anyone else in the congregation yeah and i think that i i really respect your your point emily about like you should be like very cautious about giving any sort of advice yeah in that position. But I, I also think that like a position of I, I see the cons of a position of neutrality because I think that it almost like makes it easier for someone to think that that person's position is objective mm-hmm. versus like that person admitting their bias. Mm-hmm. Like in some ways, I think that it's pretty honest of Greg Locke to express his opinions openly. Do I agree with any of them? No. (laughs) Do I think he's being honest? Yes. And like him being honest is like showing people where he's at. But I think there's
2: a difference between expressing your opinion and giving advice. Like I can express my opinion from the pulpit, but I make it clear that it's my opinion. But I don't Mm. say, here's my opinion. Now believe in it. (laughs) Like, like take it, you know, take it. It's here's my opinion but I'm going to move past that. You know, there is a difference between sharing an opinion from the pulpit and giving advice from the pulpit.
1: Ooh, that's an interesting distinction. I like that.
2: Cause pastors give their opinion from the pulpit all the time, <laughs> but not every pastor hmm. gives advice from the pulpit.
1: Do you, I, I think the hang up personally for me is pastors giving their opinion and it not being clear that it's their opinion or when they try to generalize their opinion to advice.
2: Hmm. Say more. Is that
1: the same hang up that you're having with Well
2: say say more. Like
1: Um, let me try to think of an example that's not politics, because I don't think this is restricted to politics. Um Okay, here's an example. Um, the Arminian pastor who believes that you need to that uh salvation is not predestined, and therefore there's a huge emphasis on evangelism, and that pastor is giving the opinion that Therefore, you should go out and evangelize your neighbors because otherwise they are going to go to hell. And so he is like making a case for, like, you need to evangelize. Like, it is your moral duty and obligation to do this. Otherwise, you are not taking the faith as seriously. That pastor's starting point and premise is a very specific doctrine of salvation and determinism. And then that is taking shape into his opinion, and then he's generalizing that to advice
2: mm, I'm gonna challenge that a, just a little bit. Mm, okay? Only because a sermon, like a message, should have like a call to action. And I would consider that to be a call at, a call to action. I don't know if that's really advice. I think there is a distinction, mm. but I'm trying to think off the top of my head like what that distinction would be. Hmm. Cause like in my sermons, I have like a call to action of like, here's the things that we like as Christians, like we should consider this or this and that. But I don't think it's necessarily advice because it's like when I think of advice, it's typically a recommendation or or something of a guiding understanding where you're you're looking like towards a future action. So like doctor's advice, like you should stay off your foot if you want your foot to heal type thing. Like that's their advice. Is it something concerning mm-hmm. the future? I think a call to action is speaking about the present as well as like it ties into the future, but it's like something that to do now. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? So like, for instance, I would get advice like Thea is teething right now. She has two bottom teeth coming in and one on the top. She is a mess. She is a train wreck. I had someone give me advice about <laughs> If you put whiskey on our gums, like it'll prevent this. So that's a, that's a future thing. Whereas I think a call to action is here's the things that we can do now for the now. It's very it's mm. very concrete. It's very to go and make disciples. It's
0: that sounds the same to me though. Like it well,
2: could that's, be that's like I'm, trying, go to, like, and put I'm whiskey trying to make up. a distinction. <laughs> okay, because it's something that you're doing, but it's for the future. It's to prevent future pain.
0: That's your def- definition of advice.
2: Are you trying to
1: make a distinction between like call to action being future oriented and advice being presently oriented?
2: No. Other way around. No, no, no. no. Other way around. Advice is future. Other way around. Call to action is present. Interesting. That's what I mean. Like, I'm trying to, because like like, your example was good, but I don't know. Because then that, that if, because if we're going to say it's advice, then a sermon isn't really a sermon, it's advice giving. And we should just call it advice giving. Then if that's the case, then I do give advice from the pulpit. But it's not like like there's a difference between advice and a call to action. I almost feel like advice is advice is meant to be preventative, whereas a call to action is not.
1: Hmm. Okay. do you have an example?
2: I'm trying to think of one. That's the thing. Like, it's just so hard. And maybe it's maybe it's hard because I'm in a position where I'm like deeply embedded. but. I feel like to like to go and make disciples is not preventative like you're you're calling people to do something mm-hmm. that is not a means of preventing from something like to go and make disciples is not I, I'm just stuck I really don't know how to describe it. <laughs> oh but I think some
1: Christians do view that as preventative
0: yeah snatch more souls out of hell baby
1: Mm. or or if you think of it more presently like just like preventing suffering
0: we just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel seriously there's a lot of great shows out there and we're grateful to be in your feed thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology
2: if you want to support what we're doing the best way to help is to tell a friend about us We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between.
1: And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency.
2: For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you.
0: Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color.
1: Ravel is a founding podcast of the Highline Media Network. Here's a word from our sister show, The N2 Podcast.
0: And it's that I got this unusual gift of finding out that my love has an incurable autoimmune disease that will shorten her life by up to 20 years. That seems like an odd gift, but... My stupid, dumb, giant tattoo on my ribs. Mm. I have grown to love so much Mm. over the years.
2: No. Yeah, freaking nerd.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Tell me what you like about me. Don't be a dude. Oh, yeah, you, oh yeah? yeah. Name ten
0: things about Katie that you oh, like. Oh yeah. Then.
2: Oh yeah. You like me? Why don't you marry me, <laughs> sucker? Name her
0: first album. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: Steven, you and I are at least a little bit coffee snobbish. Like, we've both worked in the industry. I'm still working in the industry. We both have, like, multiple brew methods at home. That's right. I am super proud of the fact that we are starting to sell from one of my favorite roasters through the Highline Network, which is why I think we need to convince Emily to start making coffee at home.
0: Yes. Emily, this is honestly a really easy sell. This is by Revel Coffee. This is a Montana local, international award-winning roaster. They're super good. And when you buy a bag and indicate Ravel on checkout, out, you can directly support the show you love with every bag you buy.
2: Uh, well, you've just convinced me. And I think what makes it even better is the coffee that I order will be delivered within days of it being roasted. And it's made especially for me. It's not just sitting in a warehouse getting old. Mm. So if I'm going to get on board with this, I think all of y'all who are listening should too. So luckily for you, you can order now at our merch store. That's highline.network forward slash shop.
1: I th- I think I see what you're saying by like trying to make a distinction between time.
2: I'm trying to make a distinction. Yeah.
1: What you've got me thinking about is I think there's a pretty strong correlation between advice and prescription. Yes. Like your example of like doctor's prescription, like you should do this for this reason versus like an idea of inspiration, like trying to like inspire a vision and a future. And I feel like a lot of like. The way I've heard people give and talk about sermons, I feel like there's a lot more orientation and agreement around like a sermon should inspire you. Yeah. Like whether it's like a civil rights speech or uh, in a church, like it's meant to like build up everyone and like build towards something usually versus like, I think advice and prescription is often like much more honed in and specific and usually individual.
2: Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. But I also feel like there's, I don't know, there's like more to it than that. Like, like you wouldn't come yeah. to me for financial advice. Like you would go to someone. No, oh, you're terrible. You would money. go to someone who <laughs> like like an accountant, like if you had very specific questions regarding like or something that's pertinent to something, mm. you're going to go to someone who can give you a recommendation concerning that thing. Whereas like in a sermon, like a call to action, it's very general like it's not meant to be very specific of like this is how you save a soul this is how you should read your bible very specifically like it's very Mm. general it's a very wide net thing that is meant to inspire so like if i you know in my sermons when i
0: and that's the sermon from the pastor i feel like you're describing coaches you know how there's a coach for everything like life Mm -hmm. coach I've seen spiritual coach used as a tag on Twitter. Yeah. Enneagram coaches, you know, if it's advice you want, it's a coach you need, not a pastor.
2: (laughs) Sure. There you go.
1: I think that my personal irritation with, I completely agree with you. I think you run on the money. I think that my personal irritation is when I feel like the Bible is not giving a specific prescription and it's giving a description of something, and Christians are, like, jumping to prescription. Amen. And I'm willing to admit there's, like, room for interpretation on things. Yeah. But, like, I think that a lot of times the Bible is being descriptive of something, not prescriptive.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's where the pushy Christian advice comes in, because what might get interpreted as prescriptive is also interpreted as the literal only prescription for whatever the ailment is. Yeah. Yeah. The objective like, well, if you would just stop <laughs> if you would just stop doing that, stop sinning. You know, if
1: you just stop masturbating, eat some cornflakes, <laughs> all of this would go away. But that's not in the Bible
0: anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. like
1: mm-hmm. the like we don't Can you
0: imagine if <laughs> Kellogg's was in the Bible? Like
1: you could harp on that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Like you
0: could harp on that.
1: But like one of the only passages that talks about that is Onan spilling a seed, right? Yeah. And, like, it's so difficult, like, if you actually look at the literal text, like, if you're going to be a literalist about it, if you, like, look at the text, like, it's so hard to, like, read that story and come away with, well, you should not masturbate.
0: Yeah. Wasn't that about him, like, denying his dead brother, like, progeny because the way the Deuteronomic law was set up, it was like, if your brother dies, then your brother marries your wife and they have a kid and then that's considered the heir of the first husband who died. Mm. Wasn't that it? Wasn't it him like denying his dead older brother? I I might be getting that totally wrong, but yeah,
1: yeah, something like that. sounds right. I feel like that's a very good example of like there's very complex cultural underpinnings to most, if not all, of the Bible. Like even if it does say something prescriptive, Mm -hmm. I feel like. uh, Do Do you think it makes it easier to give pushy Christian advice when a lot of American Christianity is raised on the bedrock of the Ten Commandments. And that sounds very prescriptive. Definitely. So if that's the case, what does that, like, what type of advice do you think Christians are more likely to give? Like, are we more likely to give advice related to the Ten Commandments? Yes. Or other advice?
2: No, I, I would think it would be any related to the Ten Commandments because we can very readily flip to it and say, see, here it's in Scripture. And there's like mm. no room for interpretation, you know, because then if you try to, then you're like a heretic or
1: because it sounds so black and white, you mean
2: Mm-hmm. it's written in a way that's very concrete and who would not follow advice that's concrete,
0: literally etched in stone. Yeah. They must
2: be idiots. So you know what I mean? It's it's just kind of that that arrogance. I it think, is to it.
0: admittedly hard to interpret yourself out of do not murder, Um hmm
2: mm-hmm. you know, but we I've tried I I can't (laughs) you can try all you want (laughs) but like war you know what I mean so like oh totally see you know what I mean (laughs) but
0: just war theory not murder you know that's a whole other thing though yeah Yeah. it is
2: I mean
1: that is a good point except then like in the Jesus story the Pharisees are like yeah we followed all of the advice of the law and Jesus is like well you've been murdering people because you're angry in your heart
0: Mm. like
1: that's mm. the root of the checkmate
0: problem. Pharisees like, you, you're like acting like you're following <laughs> the advice
1: but like you're really not letting the advice live in you
0: hmm that's interesting yeah cause uh, like you've heard people make the distinction between like yeah they were following the letter of the law but not the spirit of the law
2: oh yeah you've heard oh, that yeah. phrase before oh yes many a time
0: do you have a problem with that phrase Emily? it sounds like you do
2: only when it's weaponized.
0: <laughs> oh, okay.
2: When it's someone hounding, it's it's again, it's that like unsolicited advice. It's when someone's mm-hmm. hounding on you of you're following the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. And they're, they are helicoptering every mm-hmm. aspect of Helicopter your life. Helicopter Christians? <laughs> yeah. Helicopter Christians.
0: Isn't that what Jesus did though? That's like straight up the Jesus move, right? Like, Is it though? Is it not?
2: I don't think that's what it feels like to me
0: elevating murder into anger
2: but I don't think Jesus was a helicopter like I don't think I don't think he was swooping in over everyone's head and was like (laughs) like he did it with a type of compassion that was not so daunting
0: so he had he God (laughs) there's the letter of the advice and the spirit of the advice is what you're saying
2: basically I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the attitude in which you deliver it.
2: But I also think Jesus wouldn't give unsolicited advice.
0: <laughs> like hmm, I
2: think Jesus would be an active I think Jesus would be an active listener and would kinda know when and when, when not to. Like because if that were true, I don't think Jesus would go off to pray so much. I think he'd be like, Now wait a second and he would just vocalize everything. But he didn't. He was like, Y'all are you are pissing me off. I am gonna go pray. <laughs> he wouldn't be like, you know what I think about this, and people didn't like, shut up, Jesus. No one cares what you think. It was every single mm. time. It was. You know that's what I mean? interesting because like, I am thinking that did happen. It did unsolicitedly
0: happen. turning tables. I am also oh, thinking what? of the exchange with the Samaritan woman at the well. You know, he comes out with basically saying, like, yeah, I I know you've had six husbands, and the guy you live with isn't your husband. Now, that's not that.
2: advice. Is it not? He's kind no, of no. <laughs> that's not advice. <laughs> but he's just calling her out, but that's not advice.
0: Oh, calling mm. out.
2: Okay. Again, what does the word advice mean? <laughs>
1: what did? Okay. What distinction would you give there? Because I've heard people use that passage as the justification for giving people advice <laughs> on
2: moral matters. <laughs> what part of the scripture when he when he is there and he's addressing the woman for what she is he's not saying you know what my advice would be because you like what is he actually saying when he says well i know you have so many husbands where in that do you get advice actually
1: okay i don't hate your point anymore do you know (laughs) what i mean (laughs) like maybe maybe my problem is not with advice maybe my problem is pushy christian calling out Yes, maybe I, you're right that those are very different they are things.
2: Very different things.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Uh, okay. Use use an example. Like, what would be a good example of calling out versus advice in the modern day?
2: Um. Oh. Oh. Calling out versus advice. Um.
1: Because I do think Jesus like unsolicitingly calls out the Pharisees. Oh, yeah. Like maybe they're asking for it, quote unquote, because they're provoking him. But like, he has a lot to say. <laughs> But you're right. He doesn't really give them advice necessarily unless people ask him like people asking him, like, how do I inherit the kingdom? Or like, what do I need to do? Yes.
2: Okay. there. Then he kind of does. That is a good that is a good distinction right there. Anytime Jesus is interacting and there's a question being asked and then Jesus responds that specific question, that would be advice giving. (laughs) But if there's conversation between someone and Jesus and Jesus is not answering a question, then he's just having a conversation. Like the woman at the well, he's not giving her advice unless she asks a question.
0: So the lesson to be learned is don't give people advice who don't ask for it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Be present. That's the thing. We're so quick to just answer. We're so quick to just talk all the time. When we should be listening, like being present, because when we're so focused on talking all the time, we're not listening. And then we're just we're entirely missing the whole point of like relationship. Like it just becomes one sided at that point.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: My preferred method. I don't do this a ton, but sometimes I'll be like, hey, I think I have some unsolicited advice for you. Do you want it? (laughs) Wow. I'll just like straight up admit that like. They're not asking me,
2: Mm -hmm. but I have something to say. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: And I think like it's a little disarming. It is still a little self-centered because I think that I'm right (laughs) for sure. I think
2: if we're going to do that, though, I think you can phrase what you're going to say in a way that's not trying to impose a thought on someone else. Like you can say, here's my thought on this and you can phrase it in a way that's not here's what I think you should do because I think there is a difference. And again, I think that becomes I think that comes down to opinion versus advice giving.
1: Yeah, but I think that's the problem with pushy Christian advice is they don't see it as an opinion usually. Right. And I think that if someone gives advice, whether it's solicited or not, but they don't view it as an opinion, Mm -hmm. I think that that gets really hard to challenge. Yes, it does. Or just dialogue with.
2: Because then there's no yeah, there's no room for growth or rebuttal or difference of opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just a space to say, no, thank you. <laughs> like I said earlier, like if someone gives me advice that I didn't want, I'm like, um, yeah, no, thanks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, here's a, here's something I'm not sure how to ask. How do you make sense of the great religious tradition of calling out other people without being a complete Well? A- wow. Mm-hmm. Like, because we do see that in the biblical narrative. Like, we see prophets, we see Jesus challenging people in authority. But, like, I think in the modern day this stereotype has become, like, angry Christian preachers. Like, that preacher in Pike Place that I went out and talked to, like, he's giving a lot of ins- unsolicited advice. Much. And I, I think, think that, like... it
2: depends on where they come from. Like, are they coming from a place of love and understanding? Or are they coming from a place of hatred or anger? Because mm-hmm. I think, when I think of jesus you know calling out the pharisees like he was doing it from a place of love in my opinion he was angry but it came from a place of love like love for those who were the victims of the pharisees like love for the other and love for those who were being mistreated and i don't know i think that's tricky
1: i hear what you're saying but i think i've also heard people misuse that like as a justification for like no i can call you out because i love you
2: Right. and I don't think that that holds up I yeah I would agree yeah I can see that
1: but like where's the line you know
2: mm-hmm. it's very fine
1: like cause to your point like it totally depends on like your relationship to another person
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm thinking about how I think that there is a couple steps to advice giving there's like observation like you the third party are seeing something then there's like the verbal acknowledgement of that observation and sometimes that's in the form of calling out and sometimes it's a little bit more graceful and it's like asking and listening, like kind of what you were talking about, Emily. And then I think there's the, the prescription. And I think that, I think it can be hard to deal with people when they feel like they have the right to like unsolicitingly comment on an observation that they make about you. And I think it's especially more difficult when theology gets tied into it. And on some level, I think that, like, if someone engages in theology with that, like, you almost have to engage in theology back.
2: Ooh, I like that. But how? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) We're just wrestling really bad with this, aren't we?
1: Hmm. Emily, what is your advice for people giving you advice when you don't want it? Oh, I
2: don't know. Because we haven't even,
1: we haven't even, like, talked about, like, The stereotype of God told me to tell you that's like, oh, that's
2: like a whole thing. Like, how do you even like come out against that? You know, because you can't combat that either. You know, God told me to tell you this. You don't have a you don't have any room to negate that. Zero. I this is not advice. This is my opinion. I think (laughs) I think that people need to feel comfortable with not knowing something like if they don't have the answers to everything and i think once we get on board with that then i think we feel more not giving advice because i think once we start giving advice on something we feel like we are either an expert or well-rounded in whatever it is that we are trying to give advice on Mm. and we're not like a doctor giving advice They will not give you advice on something that they don't know. Like, they're not gonna be like, well, I study, you know, I'm a brain surgeon. So let me give you advice on the pain that you're experiencing in your foot. They're going to send you to someone who is well-rounded in knowledge of foot, (laughs) you know? So I think as like Christians and as people in general, if we acknowledge like, I don't know even as a pastor, like there are some things like salvation and there are some things I just don't know. So I'm not going to give you advice on something I don't know about. Like we need to be comfortable saying, I don't know. Like I I can't speak on that because it's so easy, I think, to want to speak on something that we don't know about.
0: Yeah, I'm really good about sharing my opinions about things I don't know about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Again, sharing your opinion is different than giving advice.
0: <laughs>
1: I think my opinion on advice is this. I think that the best kind of advice is given in a very general, thought-provoking way that actually empowers the person to think for themselves and come to their own conclusions. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that is honestly what I find so beautiful about Jesus teaching in parables is because he's often asked a question. And actually, I just saw someone tweet about this today. They were like, how toxic is it to like... Answer in a parable instead of giving a straightforward answer. <laughs> wow. But like, I kind of, I I actually think it's kind of cool because I think that what it does is force someone to come to their own conclusion. Right. And whether or not I agree with their conclusion, I think that someone thinking for themselves is like the best thing they can do.
2: Because that's besides the point, you know? What is? Like,
1: if the you conclusion? agree with
2: what their conclusion, yeah. Hmm. Like, I think that's something else separate entirely. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point.
1: Like, if you actually think that, that means that you yourself have like removed your ability to feel affected by someone else's decision that tangibly does not affect you.
2: Exactly.
0: Do you all like giving advice? No. You don't?
2: No. I feel like I'm (laughs) unqualified. That's why.
1: (laughs) Maybe that's a good thing.
2: Maybe <laughs> not it for is. you specifically, but I mean, like in general. <laughs> Maybe. Thank, thanks, thanks, Josh.
1: <laughs> no, I agree. I personally, I like thinking about things, and I I like it when people ask my thoughts on something because I'm self absorbed, but
2: Enough I for don't advice.
1: love giving advice. Yeah. A couple times, friends have come to me asking for very specific advice, and honestly, it feels very honoring that like someone. I do, I do think advice feels really intimate. Honestly. Because it's often very specific and personal. Right. But I don't think that I have, I don't think that I'm any more qualified to give someone specific answers other than to like help them think through the situation and maybe give a couple points.
0: I like asking for advice. Yes. That feels nice. What does Proverbs say like in the company of many counselors? hmm I forget how it ends, but it's a positive note. It's a positive note. (laughs) Dang it. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Proverbs. I think too many
1: Christians treat Proverbs like it's just good advice. I don't think advice and wisdom are the same thing.
0: It's a lot of like fortune cookie advice.
1: Yeah.
2: Preach, Josh. They are not the same thing. Mm -hmm.
1: Emily, how would you define wisdom from like a scholarly pastoral standpoint?
0: Oh, my God. Huge question for the end. Um,
1: what? Oh, I don't know. Because you just, Uh, like, straight up agreed with me that, like, wisdom and advice are not the same thing.
2: Yeah, like... And I'd
1: love to hear your take.
2: I like how you ask this at, like, the very end. Because I think you can give advice without having the experience, and I think wisdom comes from experience.
1: Ooh, okay, sure. I
0: like that. Hmm. That's even how I try to distinguish in, like... While I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons is intelligence is based on intellect and wisdom is based on experience. Mm -hmm. Like when you're thinking through like your choice, the choices your character is making or something. Yeah. I like that.
2: Yeah. That's does does that answer your question, Josh?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I I can.
0: Intelligence is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing you shouldn't put it in a fruit salad.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How's that? Yeah. Now I'm just hungry for fruit salad.
0: <laughs> but not with tomatoes. Right. Is, <laughs> is advice is
1: advice then like a recipe where you're yes. like
2: Yes. Uh, advice would be a out recipe. Yeah. Cause there's all different recipes. Everyone has a different recipe for fruit salad. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, huh. you can choose to follow it or you can tweak it to fit your own situation. Maybe you have a particular taste. Maybe you're allergic to a certain fruit that the recipe calls for. I don't know. Mm. I love where this analogy is going.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like that kind of works. Um, well, thanks for helping me think about this, you guys. I don't know if I have any better advice on like, how to deal with pushy Christian advice. Not that I encounter it all the time. I don't want to make it sound like I'm just like berated with like constant advice right. all the time. But um, I, I do think it's an interesting phenomenon. Thanks for yeah. being
0: open to our opinions. Oh, uh, speaking of being open to opinions, um, the Highline Network is actually running a survey through the end of this month, through the end of March. That was um, a, we, this is a
1: very good unplanned segue.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Yeah, go fill out the survey. Um, we are asking do. your opinion, and it is very yeah. helpful for future things.
0: Yeah, uh, m- many future projects coming um, in 2022 and 2023, and uh, we want to get to know our audience better more broadly than the the Discord community that we do have. So you can fill that out at network slash survey, and it takes less than three minutes to do. And in uh, trade for those three minutes, we would love to send you a free sticker of your choice from the Highline shop.
2: Ooh, and who doesn't love free stickers, stickers? Right?
0: Stickers are great.
2: There's nothing better as an incentive than a sticker.
0: Free stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Get after it. Well, Thanks for recording through my illness, friends.
2: Uh, I'm just I'm oh, glad you hung yeah. in there, man. My
0: crazy, my crazy many reschedules this weekend, but we oh, made it. Oh yes,
1: we did it. My advice for you is to <laughs> gargle a bunch of salt water and stop talking.
0: Right. <laughs> Thanks. Um,
1: Emily, what advice would you leave us with <laughs> as we oh. did you not see that one coming?
2: No, I did. I did. <laughs> As we navigate various topics and we engage in many conversations and we come from various experiences, it can be so easy to share and to listen and to discern. Uh, Just know that we're doing it together and takes a lot of patience, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of wisdom Uh, and it's tricky, but we can unravel it out together. And my advice to you is to enjoy the day. I don't really know if that's my advice or opinion, but enjoy the day. There you go.
0: Enjoy the day. Josh, I laughed so hard because I saw that coming from a mile away and you still did it. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Gross. You're welcome.
0: All, all the segues. Welcome to the Into
1: Podcast.
2: Where we seek to insight, insight. Pursuing truth for the sake of wonder.
1: Meet my parents. That's, That's us.
2: us. I'm Pops. I'm the cotton candy queen.
1: My wife katie hello my best friend kevin
0: am i the best friend or the wife
1: and me alex hey join us to have an honest and encouraging conversation about whatever it is that we're into
2: highline media network artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places